Amen. All right, I want to draw your attention to verse 12 of Hebrews chapter 4, where it says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. That word quick there just means alive. The word of God is alive. It's a powerful word, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Okay, so understand this Word of God that we have here that speaks when I get up and I'm, I'm preaching the Word of God or when I'm uh, reading the Word of God or even when you are reading the Word of God, you need to understand that these words you're, re- you're reading, they're not just black words on white paper. They're the words of God and they're alive. And notice how it says that it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So it's like as you're reading it, have you ever been reading your Bible and you felt like, you know, it's speaking to me? It's knows what I'm thinking, you know, it, it's, it knows what's in my head. And you know what? Because it does. All right. It's look, I mean, if, if you read one of my writings, it, it's not going to do that. But the word of God does that to you. And it is, it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. While you're reading it, and while we often try to, you know, play tricks with the word of God, and we try to even play tricks with our own mind and often even deceive ourselves, we're not going to deceive the Word of God. It sees right through us. And it's going to get to us that the Word of God, it's going to speak to you. And it's going to tell you what you need to hear. And you know what? Sometimes it's going to hurt. It says in verse 13, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Okay? We're not hiding anything from it. Everything's right out there in the open. You know, some of us were real good at putting on a front and deceiving everybody that's around us. But you know what? You're not going to deserve. You're not. You're not going to uh, deceive God. You're not going to deceive God's word. It's going to see right through it. And while maybe you might deceive me, and while I might be talking to you, and I might be saying one thing and saying the wrong thing because I don't see your heart, I don't know where you're getting at. That's not going to happen with the word of God. And it's going to be very clear. When you read it, when you study it, when you hear it, even when you hear it preached, that sometimes it is, it's speaking directly to you. And hopefully you do feel that sometimes. Hopefully you should feel sometimes, like when you are sitting there and you're hearing the Word of God preached, you know, you ought to think, was the pastor spying on me this week? And truth is, I don't spy on anybody, alright? But at the same time, if you feel that way, you need to understand that it's not Pastor Tommy was spying on this week, it's just the Holy Spirit was spying on me this week. And now he's speaking to me right now through the preaching. And when that happens, sometimes it hurts a little bit. Sometimes it makes us uncomfortable and makes us feel uneasy. And it's sometimes it's not what we want to hear. It's not maybe not what we came for. Maybe you came here today. You were hoping to get something to just kind of lift you up and make you feel good. But maybe you're going to get something that's just going to beat you down and make you feel really bad. And I'm here today to tell you if that happens, that's not a bad thing. Verse 14 says, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our profession for we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. All right. Jesus understands what we're dealing with. He understands what we're going through. And as a result of that, you know, he's able to be compassionate with us. But at the same time, because he understands what we're going through, it also makes it very easy for him to see right through us and to understand our thinking. And a lot of times, um, you know, 
we are, we're just bad. You know, we are just getting out of line and he knows that. But because he, we have that high priest, he says in verse 16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. All right. What is this time of need? Well, it's at a time when the word of God is convicting you, when it's cutting, when it's cutting in you and it's pointing out everything that's wrong in your life and you're being convicted and you're being dealt with. And at that point, that's not the time where we go and we just try to put up shields. All right. It's going to, the word of God is going to pierce through anything. That's our time where we go to the Lord and say, all right, you know what? Bust it. You got me again. I'm wrong. And we don't go to him and we justify ourselves. A lot of people will use that verse talking about how we have this high priest that can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And it's like they'll take that passage and be like, you know, don't, you know, don't feel bad that you're so dirty and you're so low down. And you're so rotten. Jesus understands why you're rotten. Jesus understands why you messed up. And Jesus understands why you just can't do right. That's not what it's trying to teach us right there. It's trying to teach us that, hey, because Jesus understands how rotten we are and what we deal with, we are able to go to him not to get permission for what we're doing, but to find mercy for what we're doing and, 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 to, find, and to get help from Jesus Christ. And that's what we're supposed to do. That is what, uh, you know, that's what this is all about. And one of the amazing things about the Bible, one of the amazing things about the scriptures is it's it's convicting power. I mean, it literally can hurt us sometimes. It can. I mean, I've sat in services before. I've listened to sermons before where I felt like I got the snot beat out of me after I heard it. I didn't walk away feeling good. I actually walked away feeling really bad. Sometimes you feel like you're just crawling away. You know, what was that? That I mean, it's because the word of God's speaking. There's been times that I've heard I've heard messages before and I did. I walked away from that. I've gone to meetings before and I'm driving home and like I'm just, you know, the whole time I'm driving home, I'm just kind of trying to process everything I heard. I'm trying to let that message really sink in and let the Holy Spirit show me what I need to see so I can so I can fix some things. That is what's supposed to happen when we read the word of God. That's what's supposed to happen when we're preaching the word of God. We want the Holy Spirit to do a work. And when you come to church you ought to come to church with an attitude of, I want to come and I want the Holy Spirit to do something to me today. I want the Holy Spirit to work on me. I want the Word of God. I mean, I want it to cut at me. I want it, I want it to pierce. I want it to do something to change my life. And the title of my message today is No Pain, No Gain. And I say that because, you know, a lot of people, they come to church just like a lot of people go to the gym, all right? Uh, it's, it's funny to watch some people when they go to the gym to exercise and it's like they're there. They, it's like this leisurely activity that they do. I, I, I remember there was this one lady where I used to go. I used to see her all the time. She'd come dressed up all nice. I mean, she almost looked like she was ready to go to church. She was wearing such nice clothes and she would sit on this one bike. She'd have a little book there and just slowly pedal it while reading the book. And I'm thinking... You're doing nothing, all right? You're doing absolutely nothing. You could have done that at home, you know? And you'll watch these people, they just go there and it's like their place where they, I mean, they're practically turning some of these places into spas where you can go and get your nails done and your hair fixed and all these things. And it's like, hey, you're supposed to go there to work out. You're supposed to go there to sweat. And it's like some of these people get, you get going. And I've been there before where you go and you, you want to exercise and all of a sudden you, you just start feeling pain and you start feeling, you start getting sweat. And what do you do? Eh, I'm going home. All right. I've done that before. And that's not what we're supposed to do. We're actually supposed to go there 
and get sweaty. You're actually supposed to go there and have and be walking out of there hurting. That means you actually did something. That means you actually accomplished something when you walk out of there and you are you're sweating all over the place. You know, when you're when you're hurting the next day, that means you actually accomplished something. And a lot of people, they'll come to churches and they go to the church and all of a sudden at this church, you know, man, they expect the service to accomplish something in our lives. You know, and they come there, man, they just get run through the ringer. They get beat up from the preaching. You know, the pastor rips their face off. They walk out of there just crawling out of the church. Man, I got tore apart today. I'm going to the spa church where we can just go and the pastor's going to tickle my ears and tell me happy stories and we'll drink Starbucks and just, you know, sit around and just have a good time. That's what people are looking for. But you know what? That doesn't help anybody. That is not beneficial at all. If we want church to help us, if we want the Word of God to do something, you know what? We need a little bit of pain. And if you want your workout to do any good, you should be hurting a little bit when you're done. And we ought to hurt a little bit when we come to church. There are, you, ought, you ought to want to be in a church where every once in a while the pastor says something that just takes you off. All right? Now, and I don't say things that tick you off just to tick you off and make you mad. But you know what? None of you in here are perfect. All right? Everybody's got some sin in their life. And if I'm preaching against sin, every once in a while, I should, I should be hitting yours. And it ought to bother you. And if it does, that's not your time to just get offended and walk out and go to the spa church. That's your time to go and say, you know what? I need to get this thing right. I need to fix this. The Lord obviously spoke to me for a reason. And it's a blessing when it happens. It is, it is a good thing. And what you do, when you go and you do that workout where you are, I mean, where you're just sweating buckets, all right? It feels good after it's done. I mean, you feel like you actually accomplish something when you do that. And we ought to feel like we've accomplished something when we're in church. And whenever we do, whenever you come to church and you get beat up, when the Holy Spirit's convicting your heart, when He's speaking to you, that is good because you know what? One, it means God's still speaking to you. That's a good thing. You know what? You ought to walk away from church saying, you know what? The Lord spoke to my heart today. The Lord, I mean, He, he cut at me today. It hurt, man. That really hit home what I heard today. But you know what? That's good. God's still speaking to you. He can see all our faults. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Okay, now all things are not naked and open to me. There's a lot of things that would be easy to hide from me. A lot of people have put one over on me in the past. I wish I could get up here and tell you about I'm just bragging about my great gift of discernment. I can spot them a while away. You know, I can spot some stuff, you know, but at the same time, well, I think I'm pretty good at spotting things and, you know, pegging people. I don't hold people accountable for what I'm feeling most of the time. You know why? Because I've been wrong too many times. You know, there's been people that gave me the heebie-jeebies that actually turned out to be okay. You know, there's people that I thought were okay that turned out they should have been somebody that did give me the heebie-jeebies. And I it just, I missed it. It completely went off my radar. There's been people before that have come out of the closet, you know, and I was like, I saw that coming a mile away. But then there's other people that have come out of the closet and I've been like, where did that come from? All right. And I'm speaking about LGBT stuff. All right. You know, and uh, I, it, it completely shocked me. You know, so I don't hold people accountable for that. I get things wrong too often. But you know what? God, He does see right through. The Word of God sees right through these things. And so sometimes, I mean, you're going to get your high nail to the wall. There's going to be times 
where the, the if, if I'm preaching the word, if I'm preaching what God lays on my heart, the Holy Spirit's going to guide me into preaching on something that's going to nail your hide to the wall. That's going to hit on your sin and it's going to make you feel guilty. But that's good. See, God, you know, God, he wants to do that. Part of that is him being merciful. God's being merciful to us. He knows what we're feeling and he knows what we need. If you've got a sin in your life, eventually it's going to cause problems for you and God loves you. And so you know what he's going to do? He's going to use the pastor. He's going to use the word of God. He's going to maybe use somebody else in the church to just point some things out to you. I was at a church one time years ago. I was visiting a church and I was at a point, you know, I just wasn't satisfied with some things. And the pastor, this guy preaching, he was an evangelist. He did not know me from Adam. And man, he preached a sermon that just, I mean, it really hit home with me. I'm like, man, I, I felt like he was preaching just to me. And I'm not lying, all right? I never lie. I never tell stories just to help my point, all right? I hate when preachers do that, but I, I'm not lying to you, all right? I know I'm preaching right now, but I'm not lying, okay? After the service gets over, I'm visiting another church, some old guy that I've never talked to in my life. I have no idea what this guy's name is. I don't know who he is. He just comes walking up to me. And he was just like, you know, and I don't remember exactly what he said, but I remember he just went and a lot of the things I was thinking in that message that weren't even necessarily things he said. This guy comes just walking up to me and he's just like, you know, I was thinking when the pastor was preaching that. And he just went and laid out exactly what I was thinking that I thought was my own unique thoughts. And I'm thinking, how did he know what to say to me? I, I know that guy didn't read my mind. And it was just one of those things that was so unique. I'm like, I didn't see that as some old guy talking to me. I thought that was the Lord speaking to me right there. And you know what? I probably better get the message. I probably better learn from this and let it fix me and let it change me. Only the word of God can do that. Okay. That wasn't the evangelist. It wasn't that church member that did that. That was the Lord speaking to me. And we ought to thank God when that happens. And thank God, whatever we do, whenever that, whenever uh, the preaching does come, and ever it steps on your toes and it hits you, and we're wrong and we find out we're wrong, well, guess what? It's great because we can go, we can approach that throne of grace boldly, and we can obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God will forgive you of that. Okay, so when you do, if I'm getting all over your stand and you're getting all convicted and feeling bad, well, guess what? You're in good, you're you're in luck because we can go to the Lord and He'll forgive you of it. But understand, the reason he pointed that out to you was so you will get it right. So you will get rid of that sin and you, you will get right with him. But when you're, when you are, when you're getting convicted, that's good. It means God's speaking to you. And it also means God's got a plan for you. Turn over to Acts chapter seven. This is, this is, this is a good thing. I was, out, I remember when I was at my dad's church, we were out souling one day and I, I was talking to this one guy. And I remember we invited him to our church. And I told him it was Lighthouse Baptist Church. And I remember he told me, he was like, well, I used to go to a Baptist church. And he told me what Baptist church it was. And I knew the church. I knew the pastor. He was a good guy. And this is what he told me. He's like, but you know what? I quit going to that church because every time I would go to that church and the pastor was preaching, I always walked away feeling bad. And I told him, I was like, man, I said, that's a good thing. That's, that's what's supposed to happen. I said, you, you know, we're supposed to get convicted when we go to church. He's supposed to preach in our sin. And I told him, I said, man, I said, you know, that pastor is obviously doing a good job. And he never came and visited our church, but I, that was the truth. I thought that's a good thing. To me, he was criticizing that church when he said that. But I thought, you know what? That point, that church has scored a point with me 
because he that pastor is obviously preaching on sin. But look at Acts chapter 7, verse 54. It says, when they had heard these things, they were cut to the heart. This is after Stephen's preaching. They were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, behold, I see the heavens open and the son of man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when they had said this, they fell asleep. Now, this story, it's a sad story here, but an exciting story, too. Stephen, he's preaching his first message. And what happens as soon as he's done preaching? Well, the preaching did what it was supposed to do. It convicted. It says it cut them to the heart. But you know what? Unfortunately, you can get up and you can preach the truth and you can do what you're supposed to do as a preacher, but it doesn't mean everybody's going to do what they're supposed to do. And in this particular case, while Stephen, full of the Holy Ghost, did exactly what he was supposed to do, while the message did exactly what it was supposed to do, unfortunately, the people did not do what they were supposed to do. And what did they do? They're gnashing on with their teeth. They went and they took him and they stoned him. They stoned him to death. They killed Stephen. But understand, <clears throat> what was going on there, the Word of God was doing this to them. The Word of God's trying to do something with them because... There was obviously somebody that God wanted to do something with in that crowd. And if we look at chapter 8, the very next verse, verse 1, look what it says here. And it says, And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. There was somebody that was there that I believe was also one of them that was getting convicted. One of them that was getting cut to the heart. And it was a young man named Saul that we know eventually became known as Paul. And we see that in this story, while these guys are, I mean, getting the snot beat out of them, getting cut to the heart with the preaching, they should have recognized that as a good thing. God obviously still wanted to use them. And even though, think about this, even though the apostle Paul was there consenting to his death, He's holding the coats of the people. He didn't actually throw the stones at Stephen, but he's kind of giving them permission. He's authorizing the stoning of Stephen in this situation. We see that God was not done even with Saul. Turn over to chapter 9 and verse 1. And it says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest. So that message, it didn't get through right away, but it did pierce. We'll see that here again in a second. And Saul, he's continuing to just persecute the church. I mean, he's, th he's throwing out threatenings and slaughter. Verse 2, it says, And desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near to Damascus. And suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul. Why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. 
And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go to the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And you all know what happened. The Apostle Paul ended up becoming one of the greatest Christians that there ever was. Wrote much of our Bible for us. But notice what God said to him right there. He said, It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And what's he talking about there? You know, and back in the day, they would have that, they would have these long poles that had a point at the end that they would kind of prick those oxen with to try to get them moving, to try to get them doing something. They'd try to kick against it and they couldn't really do it. And the Apostle Paul, he's been hearing some preaching. The Holy Ghost's been working on him. It's been pricking him on his heart. And he's been trying to kick, uh, you know, kick against it. He's been trying to fight against it, not realizing that this pricking at him that was going on, it was something that God was doing because God had something for him. God wanted to do something in his life. God was not done with him. The apostle or the Saul, while he was a bad guy, he was not reprobate. He was not cast away. He was not someone that God was finished with. He's somebody that God is still trying to get a hold of. And you know what? If you're somebody that when you're in church and you're getting convicted, that's a good sign. You know what that means? God's not done with you. There are people out there who are reprobate. There are people that are out there that are ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. There are people out there that are just, they're rejected and that God has done, that God has given over to a reprobate mind. And I mean, you're in trouble if that's you. But if you're somebody that's being convicted by the preaching of the Word of God, that's a good sign. There are some people today that they don't want to come into church. They don't want to have anything to do with this because of the fact that it just it hurts too much. Well, I personally think that's a good sign. If they're still getting convicted, you know, God's not done with them. They need to, instead of just trying to kick against those things, they need to just need to come and they need to get right before God does get finished with them. But, you know, there's other people out there that are just so wicked. They're so messed up. They're so far gone. They can't they can come into a, a church like this one. And they can listen to the preaching and it won't do a thing to them. You know why? Because they have, they are, they are so callous to these things. They are reprobate. But if you're somebody that the preaching hurts, that the word of God just cuts at sometimes, you know what? Thank God. It means he's not done with you. But you know what? You need to understand that, you know, he that being often reproved and hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. When you are, when you are being hurt, don't just take that and say, all right, well, I'm still good today and then ignore it. You know what? Listen to it. Be submissive to what the word of God's trying to get you to do or wherever the Holy Spirit's leading. Do what he says, but thank God that he's not done. And the apostle Paul here, you know, he tells him, so, you know, he, he says, you know, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And he says, rise, go into the city and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Now think about this. What if, God would have told the Apostle Paul, all right, and when he said, what, what, what must thou do? Well, Paul, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go. I want you to preach the gospel. And when you preach the gospel, you're going to get thrown in prison several times. You're going to get beat with rods. You're going to get stoned. You're going to get shipwrecked. You're going to, and he just tells them all these things he's going to go through. What do you think he would have done at that point in his Christian life? He would have probably been like, forget that. I'm going to go back to persecuting the church. But no, God, God doesn't tell us everything that's going to happen. But you know what he does? He tells us, here's what you need to do next. All right. You know what? Get this right. And then I'll show you the next thing. Do this. And then I'll, I'll let you know what's next. I got a Beelzebub up here, you know, coming after me uh, while I'm trying to distract my preaching. 
But that, that's what he was trying. That's what he was trying to do. He's trying. He's going to show you a little bit at a time. Psalms one nineteen one o five. It says, "Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path." All right. That little that lamp that we have sometimes. It's like when you're walking through the dark. All right. You can only with a little lamp. You're only going to be able to see a short distance. Okay. But that short distance is really all we need to see to keep us from tripping up and to keep us from getting in trouble. God doesn't always just light up everything and let us see to the very end. Often He just shows us a little bit of a time and we just need to trust Him day by day. And when He points out things in our life we need to get rid of, we need to get rid of it. God's not going to show you everything. If God showed you the final product that He has for you, most of us would probably go run away screaming. He's just going to show us a little bit at a time and we need to get those things right. And if God's pointing things out, if I do, if I get up and I'm preaching against one of your pet sins this week, you know what? You know, if you get rid of it, don't think, well, good, all right, I got rid of that. Now I'm not going to ever get convicted again in church. Nope, guess what's probably going to happen next week? I'm going to get on another one of your sins. And then you're going to have to give that up. And it's just going to keep on going. But you know what? That's fine. That's good. God's trying to accomplish something in your life. He's trying to purge you from things so you can be used in a greater way. This is good. This is good stuff. It's good stuff when you come to church and you do, you just get convicted. And when I get on, when I'm preaching on your sins and you walk out of here feeling guilty, that's good stuff. That means you're in the right place. That means you came somewhere and the Holy Spirit actually spoke to you. God's not done with you. And if God's not done with you, God's not just trying to get things out of your life because his goal is to make you miserable. He's trying to get things out of your life so you can accomplish great things for him. That's why he's trying to do these things. So you need to understand God has a plan for you and it's good when all this is going on. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, He says, Come unto Me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn of Me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for My yoke is easy and My burden is light. And I believe this is talking about salvation here. It is. It's easy to get saved, but you need to understand that when we're yoked up with Christ, okay, it says it's easy. Like, well, man, it's hard doing the right thing. Well, it's because we make it hard. Okay? If we're, if our life, if our walk is difficult with Christ, it's because we're working against Him. And understand, you're not going to win. Alright? We're yoked up with Christ, and we are not going to, uh, if, if we're working against Him, things are going to be difficult. He's going to make it difficult because He understands if we go the wrong direction, it's going to hurt us. But when it's going to be easy is when we're submissive to His will. When we lean on Him, when we just trust in Him, that's when things are going to be better. And we don't always understand why God wants us to do something. But, you know, we ought to trust Him the way we expect our little children to trust us. We've all been there before. You know, your kids, you know, Mom, Dad, why can't I play in the streets? You know, why can't I play with the lighter? You know, why can't I, you know, they ask you these questions not understanding not understanding the dangers that are there. Sometimes they're just supposed to trust you, aren't they? And that's the same thing that we are supposed to do with God. We don't always know. Lord, I don't see what the big deal is about this sin. How come you keep having the pastor preach about it? I don't think it's a big deal. Well, you know what? How about you just accept the fact that God said we shouldn't do it and just not do it and just trust Him. I, I believe that's what God wants. You know, but the Word of God, it often ruins our plans that we have of doing evil. You know, it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. A lot of times we do, we've got, we've got something bad that we're working for. 
And the Bible knows it and it sees right through that and it'll foil our evil plots all the time. And that, that's, but that's good. We should be glad when that happens. So God, it shows God has a plan for us when He's convicting us. It shows us that He's not done with us. Back in Acts chapter 9, verse 13, it says, Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he has done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way. For he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. We see God had big plans for Paul. Big plans for him. While other people, it's funny when you read the story of Paul, I mean, the disciples were scared of him at first. Barnabas had to come along and tell him, hey, this guy, he really did get saved. He's not just playing a trick so he can try to catch all of us. I mean, he's saved. He's received the Holy Spirit. He's preaching the truth. He's, he, God's not done with this guy. And God wasn't done with him. God ended up doing great things with the Apostle Paul. And God wants to do great things with us. And if you're being convicted, if you're somebody that you, when you're here at church, God's just regularly just getting all over your case and you're getting beat up, that's good. God's paying attention to you. God's got something for you. We ought to want to get God's attention. But we need to understand that we, this is the Holy God that we're talking about. And if we're going to get His attention, if we're going to get close to Him, He's going to try to clean us up some. And He's going to try to get us to fix some things. And the closer we get, I believe the more things wrong with ourselves we're going to see. And we might think, you know, if I just get rid of this one thing, then everything's going to be good between me and God. Well, it will get you closer to God, which will cause you to see something else that you need to fix in your life. And you say, well, just, you know, man, forget, I don't want to give these things up. You know what? You're not giving anything up when you serve the Lord, when you surrender to His will. You will be better off. And so, uh, look at uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. It says, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, Settle you, alright? We want God to do something. And that pain that comes from God dealing with us, it makes us stronger. He said in there that it will strengthen you. Okay? We ought to want God to strengthen us and make us stronger. Once again, that's why people go and they work out and they lift weights and they do things that are hard because it makes them stronger. But everybody today, they're trying to figure out how to make the Christian life easier. Even a lot of pastors today, you know... A lot of these, you know, little things about personal holiness and separation, you know, these are just, you know, secondary, you know, issues. They're not that important. Let's not focus so much on those things. Let's figure, you know, let's make it easier. Let's make church easy. How can we make, you know, church comfortable for everybody? We shouldn't want to go to church to get comfortable. We ought to want to come here so we can be strengthened. We ought to want people to motivate, <coughs> to motivate us. And that's why a lot of people will go work out with people sometimes. They like to have maybe that personal trainer. Sometimes they need somebody yelling at them. You know, they need somebody telling them they're a wimp. And they need to tell somebody to, to try a little harder and push a little harder. And, you know, you can do more than that. But what do we do in church today? Whenever we get into a congregation of people and you've got the church, people in church, hey, you can do better than that. Hey, you can, you can look more like a Christian. You can act more like a Christian. What do you do? Judge not. Judge not. Once again, it's like the Planet Fitness churches I talk about. You know, the Planet Fitness with the you know, judgment-free zone. And that's what everybody wants when they come to church. I don't want anybody motivating me. I don't want anybody pushing me. Well, you know what? You're at the wrong place. This isn't Planet Fitness Church, all right? 
We need to, we need to come up with a real what's a real tough you know gym name. I don't know, but House of Pain. All right, <laughs> this is a this is a House of Pain. Where, you know, we're, you know, we're going to make sure you're hurting before you leave this gym. And that's the kind of church we want to have. One where you're going to go and, hey, we're going to strengthen people here. We're going to motivate people to be better Christians here. Yeah, you're going to walk out of this church with your ears wore out. You're going to walk out of this church, I mean, just feeling like you just got your toes stomped on. You're going to want to wear steel toe boots next week when you come to this church. We ought, we ought to want that. But a lot of people do. They come in and just, you know, don't get on my sin. Judge not. Judge not. That's all they can say. Want a big judgment-free zone. Want to get a, you know, a lot of these churches, I'm surprised they don't have a big light in the church. You know, a lunk alarm like they have at the Planet Fitness that goes off when anybody's being what they call a lunk. You know, anytime somebody brings anything up or somebody comes in the church, you know, dressed up like a Christian or something like that, you know, then just the alarm goes off. You know, get out of here. You know, you're making people feel bad. You know, stop acting so much like a Christian. You're making other people feel guilty. That is, that is church today, folks. I'm sorry. That is what is going on in churches today. And it's ridiculous. You say, well, I think we ought to be more like that here, Pastor Tommy. You know what? If that's how you feel, there are 50 other churches in the Sterling Rock Falls area that you can go to that's already doing that. Let's have one place. What, can we not have one place in this community where we don't do any of that foolishness? Can we have one place in this church where we don't have, every, you know, every week it's just preaching, judge not, judge not. Remember the woman taken in adultery. You know, he that is without sin casts the first stone. I mean, you really want to hear me preach that every single week? That's all I ever hear him preach on the radio in town. The Christians, that's all I hear them preach. I mean, you go listen to it next Sunday. I promise you somebody's going to preach about the woman taken in adultery and bring up he that is without sin cast the first stone. That's all they preach about or judge not. That's all they want to talk about. We need to have some place where people are actually strengthened and where they're motivated and where there's actually some... Conviction going on in the church. That's what we. That's what we need. Look at Luke chapter, or um, not Luke, uh, jo- uh, Joshua chapter seven. Say, so, well, I think we ought to just be nice to people. You know, we're supposed to just make people feel good. You know, pastors are all supposed to be warm, sweet, and cuddly, and you know, only say nice, uplifting things with an effeminate voice. That's what they do on television all the time. But you know what? That's not the way God is. Look what He says in Joshua chapter seven, in verse ten. It says, "And the Lord said unto Joshua." Get thee up, wherefore liest thou upon thy face? Now, if you go and you read that story, this is after Achan took of the accursed thing and they went and they lost the battle and a bunch of their guys died. And Joshua's laying on his face. And God's saying, why are you laying on your face? Well, Lord, we just lost the battle. Lord, a bunch of people just died. But you know what? God told him, you know what? Get up off your face. You know why you lost the battle? Because you took of the accursed thing. There's sin in the camp. Get off your face. Stop crying. Stop whining. And you find that accursed thing and you get it out of the camp. That's what God said to do. God didn't go and give him, give him a big hug. He didn't go and give him sympathy. He told him, get off your face and start being a man. Look at what it says in uh, Job chapter 38. And they, people do. They come, they come to church thinking, I just want to come. I want to kick back. I want to relax. I want to feel good. I want to sip on some coffee. And just uh, I want everybody to tell me how great and wonderful I am. And just hear the pastor tell stories that will be entertaining and just walk out with a warm, fuzzy feeling. But, you know, that once again, that's not how God is. Now, you all know the story of Job. We talked about him a little bit in Sunday school. Job lost everything. All of Job's children died. Job lost all his possessions. The only thing Job had left was a nagging wife. Job had three friends that came to comfort him. And he called them miserable comforters because all of those guys try to do is figure out what Job did wrong. And finally, even though Job had the right attitude for so long, 
after losing everything, after suffering with all these boils, after his wife nagging him, after his friends giving him grief, finally, he's tearing his hair out and he's kind of questioning God. And then, for chapters 38 through 41, God pretty much tells off Job. And listen to what he says in Job chapter 38. The Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundation of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. And for three chapters, he's pretty much just asking Job questions that he can't answer. For three chapters, Job's like, you don't, you don't know about this, you don't know about that. I'm the one that knows all this stuff. Gird up your loins like a man. If it had been me, I'd been like, Lord, I lost all my children. My wife's nagging me. My friends are giving me grief. I'm covered head to toes in boils. I got an excuse to throw a fit right now. But God told me, you know what? Gird up your loins like a man. Think about that. He used to say, that's cruel. That's mean. Job needed a hug at that point. And God's telling him to gird up his loins like a man. Well, anybody think God was being unjust? I don't think so. All right, we see God telling Job exactly what he needed to hear, and I'm sure it wasn't what he wanted to hear. And guess what? This is, guess what Job did? At, well, let's, let's look at what Job did after God tells him all this. So after Job gets chewed out by God, look at what he says in chapter 42. Chapter 42, uh, in verse 6. All right, He says, Wherefore... Let's verse 5. It says, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust, dust and ashes. You know what he said? I hate myself. Now, that doesn't sound like the same type of thing that Joel Osteen does, which is always just, you know, your best life now and you're this. You're, you're always telling everybody how great they are. And people go there and they walk in there feeling like, man, I am wonderful. You know, I am great. I am special. What did Job say after God got done preaching to him? He said, I abhor myself. I hate me. I'm disgusted by myself. I repent in dust and ashes. That is what the word of God should actually do to us. You should not come in here. It's not me. I'm not, I, don't, I don't sit there in my office and think, all right, what am I going to do to just make everybody feel like dirt tomorrow? You know, that's, not, that's not what I do. All right. I, I pray, I try to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, and I, I want to preach the Word of God. But you know what? If I do, if, I, if I'm preaching what the Holy Spirit's laying on my heart, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, there will be many times where you're going to walk out of here thinking, man, I hate myself. And you know what? When that happens, that's good. That's good. You know what? You're starting to feel about yourself the way God feels about your sorry carcass. So, uh, I'm, you know, God loves us. Yes, and because God loves us, He's going to tell us what we need to know. Because God loves us, He's going to chasten us. That's what God does. And He's doing this, not just... The goal is not to make you feel bad. The goal is to get you to fix what is wrong with yourself. And unfortunately, many people today, when they go to church, they go in there thinking, you know, probably they go in there before not feeling good about themselves because the Holy Spirit's been speaking to them. Maybe I ought to go to church. Maybe I can find some answers there. And then they go there and some false prophet, some deceiver tells them how wonderful they are. And instead of getting convicted and find out what they need to fix in their life, they walk out of the thing. Well, guess what? I'm great. But then they go out back into reality and their life still stinks. Their life's a mess. And what do they do? They get mad at God. Lord, why am I so happy? Why does my life stink so bad? 
I'm a good person. The preacher told me that last week. I'm wonderful. I'm all these things. And here I am sitting around in misery and my life stinks. Lord, you sure haven't been good to me. I've been, to, I've been told I'm so great and look at how I'm living. Well, you know what? Their problem is you're in the wrong church. You need to go to Liberty Baptist Church where that preacher will tell you how sorry you are and he'll tell you all the things that you need to get right in your life. That way, you'll find out why you're living a miserable existence. That's what's supposed to happen. They'll actually open the Word of God there, preach the Word of God there, and it's going to cut at your heart and it's going to prick you and it's going to convict you. But you know what? You need to understand, you're not going to like it. It's not going to feel good, but it's going to be what you need. And we've all been there before. We've all been there where we went to the doctor and we're like, all right, you need, I know something's wrong. You got to tell me what's wrong. And a lot of times they tell us things that we don't want to hear. And what's one of the favorite things that doctor, well, doctors used to say this. They don't anymore. Used to, when you go to the doctor, you get a checkup, you got to change your diet, you got to exercise. Nowadays, they just give you a pill. Now, they don't, they don't, they don't tell you that anymore. Now they just drug you up with something. But you know, back in the day when they would tell people the truth, tell them they just need a diet and exercise, it wasn't what people wanted to hear. They all wanted to go to the doctor that just gives everybody a pill to fix all their problems. That doesn't really fix their problems. It fixes one problem and gives them four new problems. And that's what's happening in churches today because people just can't take it. They'll listen to preaching like this and think, you know what, that didn't make me feel good. I'm going to the spa church or the coffee shop church where the pastor there is going to make me feel good. And then, you know, but unfortunately, while he maybe will fix your little emotional problem and give you a good feeling, you're going to get four new problems because of all the junk that you've now added in your life and that you did not get rid of. So I say all this to just show you that, you know, the, the, the word of God, conviction, you know, these are good things that when they happen to you, we should rejoice. We shouldn't get mad. We ought to rejoice when you, you when you read the word of God and something just tears you apart. That's time to leap for joy. The Holy Spirit speaking to you. That's good. What does he have for me? There must be something good that he has for me. And we ought, we ought to want to be in a church where that's, where that's common. You know, a pastor, I believe they ought to be a lot like a personal trainer. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, it says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Paul's telling Timothy this. Endure hardness as a good soldier. No man that warreth entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a good soldier. Notice Paul didn't tell him how to avoid hardness, how to get out of hardness, or how to make everything soft and easy. You know what he told him? He said, endure it. You know what? Just tough it out. He, he did not give him any remedy for the hardness. What did he tell him? He said, endure it. And that's what we need. That's the type of preaching we need. That's the type of motivation we need. And I, I want this church to be that place. I want this church to be one where people are going to come and get convicted. Not because I'm trying to guilt trip people, but because the word of God's speaking to them. I can't do that. I, I don't, you know, I mean, I guess we all have the ability to guilt trip somewhat, but I, I, I'm not interested in trying to do that. You don't, you've never heard me get up and do like a lot of Baptist preachers are doing today. And when I can't get you all to quit doing some sin, I don't want you to do. You know, I've never, I never do that. You know, some of you that just, you know, you won't give up your cigarettes, you know. I wonder if you're even really saved. You know, you've never heard me do that, and I'm not going to do that. You know, I might say the line sometime, you know, 
smoking cigarettes won't send you to hell, but it'll make you smell like you've already been there or something like that. You know, I, I might say something like that. I, I've never done that. All right? I could try doing some of these guilt trip things and stuff like that. I, I, I'm not going to do that, but I do want to preach the Word of God. And hopefully it will do what we've been talking about. Hopefully you will get convicted. You will feel some pain. And when that happens, you ought to walk out of here rejoicing. That ought to be thrilling because you know what? It's not happening in many churches. It was the one of the first sermons I preached. I preached a message specifically about uh, it, was, it was along these lines. And I remember I went and I visited these folks. They, they came to church at one time. And I remember I uh, talked to the lady and her husband. And she was like, that was so great. She said, it's been years since I've heard a message that was convicting. And, and, and I'm, I told her, I was like, wow. And, I, and so we're talking everything. And, and I told her, so we're going to see you guys next week. And she's like, no. Uh, and I was, she's like, no, we're, we're, we're going to go to, we're going to keep going to my, this other church because that's where my kids go and all that. And I'm thinking, you just told me this is the first time you've ever been convicted in years and you admitted it's a good thing. And so you're going to go back to the church where you never get convicted? You know, I understand the person who doesn't know that conviction is a good thing, but this person knew it and they told me that. And I'm like, all right, fine. You know, we can't make anybody come to our church, but I mean, I'm, th- I'm thinking, what else can I prove? I, I, you just basically told me our church is better <laughs> that, you know, your other church isn't doing the job that we are doing the job. But, you know, that, that's just the way people are sometimes. But if, if you do, if you get that, it's a good thing. Don't run from it. Embrace it and let God change you and you'll do great things. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. Lord, we thank you that you take the time to deal with our hearts and that you'll, uh, Lord, that you are patient with us and you'll often uh, prick at us many times, Lord. And I pray that you'll help us to be sensitive to these things, that we won't be hard and callous uh, towards your leading, but we'll be uh, sensitive to the, to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord, that you will convict us. I pray that uh, people today will be convicted. And in this week, that your Holy Spirit will deal with their hearts. I pray as they read their Bible, Lord, that it will cut to their heart. And I pray that all, uh, all of us will uh, let it change us and that we'll get things right with you. And so you'll be able to use us in a greater way and we can fulfill uh, your plan for our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.